All right, thank you guys for making it out in the snow today. You know, as a pastor, there are these years. I remember this even when we lived in Arizona where you wouldn't think there's snow. We lived up in the mountains, so we'd get high elevation Colorado-style snow. And there would be years where every time it snows, it snows on the weekend. And as a pastor, it's just like your worst nightmare. And, and I, I already kind of just acknowledged a week or two ago, like 2019 is going to be one of those years, it seems like. So thank you for making the effort. Thank you for being here. And on any of these crazy weekends where we have to adjust the service times, we'll always be live streaming online. Last week, we had more than 1,000 people watching the live stream. And usually our 9.15, 11.15 will have pretty much no matter what. So thank you guys for being here. Well, as Brad mentioned, this autocorrect series is really about understanding that God's truth in his love letter to us, the Bible, this owner's manual that says how we operate, it applies to every area of our lives. So we've actually got this visual of your life, the domains in your life. And we've been looking at this in this series that all of us have a family domain. We have relationships with our family. All of us have a physical health domain. We've all got a domain of our thoughts, a spiritual domain. We all have either a career or if you're a retiree, you can put the word purpose there. Or if you're a student, you have a school there. We've all got a finance domain. And here's the thing, at Connection Point, very often we'll do a series where we go very deep into one of these domains. But the point of this series is for you to know and actually experience that God's word is practical. And so in every weekend of this series, we're just giving you one very simple thing that you can take and you can see the power of God in your finances or in your career or in your family relationships. I actually have friends who've come to know Christ as their savior and it started not in a spiritual moment, but it started through these practical practices. As they saw, wow, God's principles for my finances actually put me in a better position. God's principles for my marriage actually helped my marriage where I couldn't fix it. They started to realize maybe this God is real. And maybe all these things are not just coincidence that when you do life God's way, it works. And there's people who've come into a deep relationship with Christ through these practices that we're learning in this series. Well, today we're talking within family of a relationship that most of us have or will have at some point in our life, and that is marriage. Now, if you're like me, if you've been married for more than a week, you have conflict in your marriage. The other night, Mel and I were watching the TV show, The Office. We love watching The Office. We love a good laugh. And there's this ideal married couple in The Office, Jim and Pam. And Jim and Pam are, have a great marriage, but they're in a rough patch in this scene I wanna show you. They've gone to couples therapy. They're doing what the therapist says, but there's still a lot of tension. You guys gotta check it out. Feel free to laugh along if you relate. So we had couples therapy. No shame in that. Get it all out in the open. And we have homework. Yes, we are supposed to look for every chance to acknowledge and appreciate each other's sacrifices because I need to appreciate what Pam's been doing to run the house while I'm in Philly. And we're also supposed to speak our truths mm -hmm. because if I had spoken my truth earlier about not wanting to move to Philly, then maybe we wouldn't have had this opportunity for couples therapy. Oh, we're supposed to call everything we don't want to do opportunities. Oh, I made us a date to take my mom out to dinner to thank her for all that extra babysitting. Well, you know how much I appreciate the opportunity to hang out with your mom more, so let me just put this in my calendar. <laughs> I acknowledge with gratitude that you are being kind and responsible enough to include it in your calendar. <laughs> thank you. Your mom is a treasure. 
Well, I appreciate that some opportunities work, can Holt. be unfunded. Hey, Wade, did Cole Hamill call back or what? Great, good. Uh, to speak my truth, I'd appreciate if you hung that up because we were in the middle of a conversation. I appreciate the sacrifice. Okay, to speak my truth, that was a little sarcastic. I think that's a little unfair. Really? I've been putting the kids to bed by myself every night for months, and you had to miss one phone call. Is that your truth, Jim? That's really your truth? I guess I will swallow my truth. Are you guys high? <laughs> yeah, Mel and I can relate to that so much. And, you know, we've got all the normal struggles that you have in your marriage. And I remember a, a patch in particular where it just seemed impossible. It was probably about four to six years into our marriage. There was this rough patch where we had two really tough factors to navigate. One was that we came from very different families of origins with very different conflict resolution styles. Uh, I guess there's three, probably more, because the other was that we had some wounds from each other that we hadn't fully resolved. And then the throw on top of that, little kids waking up in the middle of the night, you're grumpy, you're tired, you're just in that season of life where you're just trying to survive, and the marriage just kind of gets dragged along in the process. And I remember times in that season feeling incredibly frustrated. I actually remember one part in that season where I was probably at my lowest in the marriage, where I felt like, you know what, if there were some easy way out of this that didn't have a bunch of consequences, I'm not going to tell anyone, but I would probably take that easy way out. I just didn't see it working out. As Mel and I continued to seek God, he transformed our marriage. But I'm guessing most of you in here can relate to that frustration that I described. And my heart for you, God's heart for you, is to have a marriage that wins. Did you know that marriage never fails? There's people who fail. But marriage as a model and institution, if we do it God's way, marriage itself never fails. We often fail in applying it. The reality is marriage is between two broken people who both make mistakes. Mel's the closest person to perfect in the world that I know, and yet I struggled in our marriage. We both struggled. And the reality is no matter how perfect you or your spouse are, you will have struggles. Now here's the question we're asking today. We always take one of these questions head on when we gather here. And this one might not sound spiritual at first, but it's real, right? We all want to know the answer to this. How can you get what you want from your spouse? Right? When I was at my lowest in our marriage, that's really what I wanted. I, I wanted her to understand me more. I wanted her to be meeting some more of my needs. And guess what? She was thinking the same thing. Why doesn't John understand me more? Why is he not meeting my needs? How can you get what you want from your spouse? I normally ask for a raise of hands, but I will not today. Because I know that all of us would raise our hands if we were honest, right? How can you get what you want from your spouse? It doesn't sound like a very spiritual question. But God's word actually addresses this. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5 and see what God says. We're going to dive in here and it says, In the same way husbands ought to love their wives in the same way or just as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife is actually showing love for himself. Now later we'll go through more verses in this passage, but I want to skip to the end right now where it summarizes and says this. So again I say, each man must love his wife as much as or in the same way as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. 
Now, I am gonna do a survey where you can raise your hands, and here's the question. Raise your hand if you believe there's one thing you could do today to make your marriage worse. Can you think of one thing you could do today to make your marriage worse? I know I can. Okay, all right. Now, I, I want you to go with me down a train of logic here. If there's one thing we all know, there's at least one thing I could do today to make my marriage worse, there's probably one thing you could do today to make your marriage better, right? And I'd like to share with you what that one thing is. It comes straight from this text. It's a principle you can apply today, and it's this. I will get more of what I want from my spouse if I go out of my way to provide what they want. I will actually get more of what I want from my spouse if I'll go out of my way. That means I will take a time when I don't really wanna hear what their needs and desires are, and I will choose to say, honey, please tell me your needs and desires, and then I will take some time when I'd rather watch TV or do one of my hobbies or sleep or something else, and I will do that thing for my spouse. If I will do that, it might not happen immediately, but eventually, I will start to get more of what I want from my spouse. Now, if you're sitting here and you're very sophisticated and very pure of heart, you might be thinking, John, isn't this just manipulation? <laughs> and here's what I would say to that. It works. <laughs> so, you know, you can call it whatever you want, but the principle does work. You can use it for the wrong motives or the right motives. I'd encourage you to do it with the right motives. But you know what? There's this old saying, fake it till you make it. And sometimes, you know what? It's this way with reading God's word. Sometimes I'll meet with guys that are like, well, I don't feel like reading God's word, so I don't want to be, you know, a hypocrite. And it's like, no, dude, just, just do it because it's the right thing and ask God to fill your heart with the right motives. And eventually you'll start to have the right motives. Sometimes we do the right thing just because it's the right thing. This is a right thing that if you do, it will come back like a boomerang to benefit you. I'll tell you about this turning point in my marriage with Mel. Uh, Mel and I were in that season I described to you, years four to six in there, where we were both just trying to survive, and our marriage was at its lowest point, and it was in that time that Mel started getting into this uh, dance class called Zumba, which I completely did not understand at the time, and it, you know, the way it, the way it worked from my perspective was this, that I would be working really hard all day, I'd be exhausted, I'd get home, and I was ready to just kind of relax at home, but instead, as soon as I'd get home, she'd take off to go to this class, and I'd, you know, do dinner by myself with the kids, put them to bed, all that, and for me, it wasn't super convenient for me. And I remember calling my best friend from, from my high school days and kind of griping to him, and he heard me out, and then he said, John, can I tell you something? I said, yeah. He said, you're a total idiot. He said, if you will encourage her to just do what fulfills her and what gives her joy and fills her bucket, in time, it will come back to bless you. Trust me. And so I said, okay. And so you know what? For the first little bit, when I would get home from work and I'd say, oh, babe, you're going to Zumba again. That's awesome. I'm so excited. Do it. You go do that. You deserve it. There were days I did not necessarily feel that inside, but I just chose to do that. And guess what happened? Over time, Mel had all these buckets in her life that had been depleted by being a young mom. 
and by just constantly giving and giving and giving. And all these buckets of having something to do outside of the kids, having purpose, having fulfillment, just having fun, those buckets started to fill up in her life. And guess what happened is those buckets started to fill up. It started to affect our relationship in a positive way. So after probably four or five months of this, there was a time where some of my buddies called me up and they said, hey, John, we're going to see a late showing of some movie that was out. And I thought, man, I almost don't even want to ask Mel, because maybe you guys have been at this point, especially if you've got young kids, where anytime one of you gets an invitation, there's this kind of negative bind in the relationship that says, hey, if you're going to go out and have fun, I have to stay here with the kids, so no one's going out and having fun. I'm sure me and Mel are the only ones selfish enough to think that way, but that's kind of where we had been for a while. And so I get this call from my buddies, and I'm thinking like, uh, do I even say I want to go to the movie? And I mention it, and she's like, oh, babe, you got to do that. You got to have guy time. You got to get out there. You got to go have some fun. I got the kids. Go do it. And it was just a complete turnaround, and it came from both of us applying this principle, Now, I know some of you are in a marriage where you're trying to do this and the other person's not. Hopefully, God brought your spouse today. The ideal is you get two people doing this, but sometimes one person has to do this for a long stretch before the other one starts to catch on. But the principle is here in God's word. Now, there's a lot more in this passage, and we have studies and groups that go deeper and deeper, but let's just walk back through this passage and see what it has to say. For God says this, husbands... This means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. Now, how did Christ love the church? Well, he sacrificed himself, right? He's almighty God living in the comfort of heaven, and he willingly leaves that comfort to come down into our world. So he went out of his way. He gave up his comfort. Then, of course, not only did he walk in our world, but when he became fully human in the person of Jesus Christ, he willingly died on the cross for our sins. That is, he endured agony and suffering and abuse and injustice so that he could reach us. And so God says, in the same way, husbands, be self-sacrificing for your wife. Yes, it'll come back to benefit you, but the, the, the best way to do this is out of pure love of saying, just like God sacrificed for me, I will sacrifice for my spouse. He gave up his life to make the church holy and clean, to wash her. He did this to present the church to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. Here's what that means. In the spiritual realm, we've been washed from our sins. And and the scripture talks about this being like being dirty and then being made clean because of what Christ did. The bottom line is this. We are more attractive because of the sacrifice Christ made for us. We're cleaned up. And the principle is true in a marriage. When you will invest in your spouse and encourage them to do what fulfills them and serve them and meet their needs, they will become more attractive. Maybe you're at a place in your marriage where you think, I'm just not attracted anymore. Well, guess what? Encourage them, meet their needs. They will become more attractive to you. You get two people doing that and it becomes a powerful, powerful thing. I wonder, have you lately sacrificed in any way to help your spouse be a better version of themselves or be more fulfilled? Then the passage says this, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own body, right? We all intuitively, we feed ourselves, we go to sleep, we take care of ourselves. For a man who loves his wife is actually showing love 
for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church and we're members of his body. You know, if I can paraphrase here, this is kind of like the moment where my buddy on the phone said, John, you're an idiot, right? And, and I mean, I am an idiot oftentimes, especially in relationships. But my friend was like, John, how, how stupid are you? If you take care of her and put her first, you're gonna have a better marriage. Stop thinking about yourself first. The reality is be smart enough to see that putting your spouse first is actually putting yourself first. And be smart enough to see that putting yourself before your spouse is actually not gonna help you in the long run. As the scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one or the two become one flesh. Of course, this is a deep mystery and there's way, way deeper things we could go into here. But the idea is that marriage is not just a, a, a ceremony. It's a spiritual covenant. And in the spiritual realm, those two people, when they get married before God in a Christian marriage, they become one in the spiritual realm. And so when you take care of your spouse, you literally are taking care of yourself, even though it might not feel like it in the midst of a conflict. God acknowledges, he says, this is a great mystery. And this mystery is an illustration of the way that Christ and the church are one. So in that covenant relationship between two parties with Christ and the church, you have one perfect party. Christ has never sinned. He, he can't sin. He won't sin. And you've got the church. We're all pretty broken and messed up. Now, the difference in a marriage is you've got two broken and messed up people. And so for a marriage to work, there has to be forgiveness because both parties are going to make mistakes. There has to be unconditional love that loves even when we're unlovable because we all have moments when we're unlovable. And just as Christ forgave us and loved us when we were unlovable and even running away from him, in the same way, if two believers will say, I will forgive you even when you don't deserve it. I will love you even when I don't feel like it. I will pursue you even when it's not, not what comes naturally to me, in the same way we can love each other. And that's the beauty of being a follower of Jesus. You now have his power to do this right thing. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Love and respect. They're two universal human needs. We all need to be loved, and we all need to be respected. And in a marriage, when the husband and the wife will focus on these two things, it can resolve so many of the issues. Well, there's so much more in this passage, but I want to give you this big idea again because you can do it today. I will get more of what I want from my spouse if I go out of my way to provide what they want. And of course, I joked earlier about this being manipulation, and you could use it that way if you wanted to, and it would still work. But as we saw in the text, the idea is to do this from a genuine heart of self-sacrifice. And as I described in my story, sometimes you start and you just say, I just, I'm just going to do this because this is the right thing, and the emotions follow. You know, sometimes you'll hear me say around here that when it comes to following Jesus and living life God's way, our emotions, our feelings should be the caboose and not the locomotive. In other words, the locomotive is what does God say to do with my marriage, with my life, with my finances? That's where I'll go. And your feelings follow. And you've seen it if you've ever been stuck at a train crossing here in town. Some trains are really long. 
And sometimes when you do the right thing, it takes days or months or years for your emotions to catch up, but you keep doing the right thing and eventually your emotions catch up. Where people get in trouble is they make their emotions the locomotive instead of the caboose. And that's what our culture says at large. Do whatever you feel. And that leads to a life of chaos and inconsistency and broken relationships. God wants something better for you. Well, I wanna encourage you, we have so many kinds of marriage represented in our church. We've got uh, people where one person's a new believer, the other one's not yet a believer. We've got people where it's a second marriage for both people. We've got people where it's a first marriage. We've got marriages with blended families and step-parents. And here's the thing. We have seen God do miracles in pretty much every kind of marriage you can imagine if the people will say, we will do it God's way. Whether or not we feel like it, we're going to do what God says to do. And I've seen him do miracles in very, very broken situations. I actually know one couple, they were divorced for 10 years. And the divorce, you know, there, there were some crazy stories in the past, crazy deep hurts. After 10 years of divorce, that ex-husband and ex-wife, they kept seeking Jesus in their life. He kept working in both of them. And they had a remarriage ceremony in this last year where they were remarried. God can restore things that seem dead and broken beyond repair. He's a God who raises dead things to life. There was another couple during this last year. They came to me and they said, hey, you know, we've been married for more than 20 years, but we just don't even feel like being married anymore. Neither of us have any motivation. It was one of those empty nest situations where the kids finally left for college and mom and dad woke up and looked at each other and said, who are you? I don't know, who are you? This happens sometimes in empty nest situations. The focus has been so much on the kids. Mom and dad don't know each other anymore. And this couple came in and we hooked them up with our care team here. We've got some great care pastors on staff. And I love what the care pastor encouraged them to do because it was really simple. He just said, hey, I want you guys every night before you go to bed to just sit down, hold hands, and share with each other one or two things you can pray about for each other. And then I want you to pray out loud together every night before you go to bed. Well, about a month and a half later, I texted the guy. I said, hey, how's it going with the marriage? He said, uh, you know, the care pastor told us to pray together at night. And John, it has completely changed our relationship. It has breathed new life into our relationship. And I just thought, you know, as I was communicating with him, what a simple little tool that made such a big difference. But you know why it worked? because they did it. And it's the same with what we're learning today. It's a pretty, pretty simple tool. It'll only work if you actually use it and if you use it consistently. Well, I was uh, playing basketball here in the gym. I play here often and I'm not very good, but I love the exercise. I get dunked over on occasion. I mean, people dunk on top of me, but it's great exercise. It keeps me healthy. And over the summer I was playing, I met this really cool guy. His name's Danny. And Danny's a guy you want on your team on the basketball court, but the more I got to know him, I realized he's also a guy you want on your team in life. And one day between games, someone else in the gym was like, hey, you know who that is, right? And I was like, he's just Danny. And he was like, no, no, he's like famous on the internet. I was like, famous on the internet, what does that mean? He was like, they do these YouTube videos. They have millions of people watch these videos. So I went home and I looked it up. And sure enough, I had actually seen one of these videos before and I had just never put two and two together that this is the guy I was playing basketball with. Well, one day between games we were talking, we realized we're both followers of Jesus and we've both seen Jesus transform our habits, our identities, our lives in all kinds of ways. And as Danny and I were talking about this, he shared with me about a time in his life 
life when God transformed his marriage with his wife, Kristen. They were in that patch like I described that Mel and I were in for a while and they didn't think they were gonna make it through it. And when they turned to God, he changed them. And as we prepared to speak on marriage this weekend, I thought, what a powerful story because when you see one of Danny and Kristen's videos, you'd look at them and you'd think, surely they have no problems in their life. If I was married to either one of them, my life would be fine because they just look so funny and so great. But you'll see that just like all of us, they've got the same struggles and it's been turning to Christ that has turned their marriage around. So we love to laugh here as a church. Feel free to laugh while you watch Danny and Kristen use their gifts of humor on this video. You were unbelievable. Me? What were you thinking? At least I was thinking. <laughs> you know what? This is crazy. Oh, now you calling me crazy? No, this is not what it, stop putting words in my mouth. Oh, you know what? I've had it with this. Fine. 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 Hello, it's me. I just called to say I love you. And I will always love you. Dude, I love your eyes in that one, man. You guys are, you guys are hilarious. Thank so, you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for hanging out with us today. Absolutely. Yeah. You give such, like, the best intros. Can you just come with us everywhere please, and intro? Please, thank you. I mean, I love when you were talking about how Danny's a guy you want on your team and on the court and in life. And I remember when you guys met, because Danny came home from the gym, and he's like, man, babe, I met these awesome guys, you know, playing ball with them. And I'm excited because I think they need Jesus. Yeah. And... <laughs> So we fasted and prayed yeah. and believed that God was going to do something. Turns out he's a pastor. <laughs> your pastor. <laughs> you, no. know, you never know what word might come out of your mouth on the basketball court. So I do kind of hide You were the all fact hiding your pastor, identities. Yeah. It was like he didn't want you to know he did videos. You didn't want to know. Yeah. But, no, but it was such a blessing because we had been specifically praying. We moved from California to Indiana a few years ago. And we were just praying for a community that it's so important, like you were mentioning before, just to have friends, godly friends to encourage you. And so that was really a divine appointment with it you was, guys on was. the basketball court. Oh, my goodness. God can use basketball. That's he right. He really can. That's right. Even rec ball. It doesn't have to be professional ball. Oh, it could be rec ball. It could never be professional <laughs> ball for me. <laughs> Danny's a little closer to that. But, you know, guys, tell us a little bit because the world's changed so much in 10 years. You know, 10 years ago, if people knew, there's, there's people who make a living doing YouTube videos. Right. They would have been like, what, what is that? Huh? You know, I was reading the other day that... 80% of ad revenue that used to go to newspapers and news stations now goes to Google, which owns YouTube, and to Facebook. Yep. How'd you guys get into doing this? It's a big question. That is a big question. <laughs> you know, we worked in the entertainment industry in LA for 15 okay. years, and so social media changed everything, yeah. right? Like, yeah. it, it just totally did. And, yeah. and we always knew we're going to get into more of this on date night, because we're going to be back here Friday, Friday night, night, so we'll tell yep. you all the deets then. But the, the short version is that we always knew 
Danny always knew we were going to work together. God put that vision in his heart, even when we were a mess in our relationship. And, um, and so one night we were driving home uh, years ago, and a Whitney Houston song came on in the car, and we actually both love Whitney Houston. I have a man who loves Whitney. Yes, it's true. Fellas? Nobody? Any, anyways. Um, <laughs> And so we were like singing in the car and I was like, babe, we should totally just do a lip sync to this video. We could do that. Because the lip sync thing came back around like most things and it was a part of my childhood. I don't know if anyone else remember in the 80s when lip syncs were like big. It was like the was thing to do. Yeah. yeah. So we said, hey, here's our opportunity to work we can together. Do this. We had a few wigs and some props around the house. You know, we lived in yeah. California and LA in the entertainment industry. We had stuff. And so we just did it and it got a decent response. I mean, we had his mom and her home church back here in Brownsburg sharing the video. And so yeah, they were faithful fans. They're faithful yeah, yeah. fans, and um, and but we weren't doing it consistently for a long time. I mean, because we had other jobs in LA, so every once in a while, when we had time, we'd throw a video out, and then we decided, hey, let's let's do this full time. Let's make family friendly content where God is always welcome, awesome. and that's what we do. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it always gives me a great laugh when I watch it, Good. Mel and I. Like I said, we've laughed at those videos before we knew you guys, so it's it's so fun to now be following Jesus together. But Danny, you know, I loved that time at the gym when you shared that you know, behind the scenes, there was a season in your guys' marriage where it didn't seem like it was going to work. And I would just love it if you guys would share a little about that season with us. Yeah, well, early on in our relationship, we were just highly immature. Uh, we, We had no coping methods whatsoever, and we were very codependent. So we were basically just trying to get our emotional needs met by the other person. And, uh, I'm glad you went back because I thought you were going to just tell him like just this past Wednesday we had. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, that some too. Issues. Um, you know, no, but I mean, it, it's true. Early on, I mean, it was it was a hot mess. Now it's just a mess, but it was a hot mess. Um, and and we were we were trying desperately to get our needs met by the other person. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes we make, even as believers, is coming into the marriage with these expectations that your spouse is going to make you happy. Yeah. When God's design for marriage is so much higher mm-hmm. than yes. meeting our happiness. You know, it's, it's, it's for our holiness. Yeah. And so it's a hard process, you know, to, to become, to look more like Jesus. And, and our spouse is the greatest tool in God's hands, you know, to make us look more like Christ. And, but it's a hard process because you're confronted, like you mentioned, with your own wants and your own desires. Right. And, and so we just really at the root of it, it was selfishness. The selfishness. And we threw out the, we said early on that we would never throw out the divorce word, the yeah. D word. Yeah. And we did, you know, the first time it came, it came out, then it just became something that was a regular thing for us. So it was rough. Definitely. It was really rough. And when that's, that word is thrown out, it, it really does bring hopelessness to your heart. You know, whoever's saying it or receiving it, it's just like, Oh, they just went there. They just went there. And, and so your life often goes in the direction of your words, right? Like God gave power in our words and in our tongue. And, and so we weren't careful with each other's hearts. And, um, you know, I was bullied growing up and, and it's that whole saying sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt you is like not true, right? Words really, really hurt and, um, and they stick with you. And so when it's coming from your spouse, I mean, that's like the biggest wound there can be. And so, um, so we really, that's like one of the greatest marriage scriptures is to be slow to speak mm. and quick to listen. Yeah. You know, we use it for other things, but like that is what we had to learn That's just right. to rein it in. Yeah. But Danny came to Jesus like really before I did in our relationship. He just got to that point where he was like, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And nothing, nothing he was doing was changing me, uh, was changing him. And so um, he just really started reading the word and praying and doing things that I'd never seen him do, and yeah, it was think, speaking to my heart. Yeah, and I think I just came to the point where I, I knew that the change needed to happen. 
I didn't want to be just another statistic of, of another marriage who didn't make it, yeah. and especially one that claims to be a Christian family and a Christian marriage. And so I knew the change needed to start with me uh, growing up in a Christian home. I had, I had the, the foundation there, but I truly never sought after a, a personal relationship with Christ. So I started getting into my Bible more, praying more. The Bible says that if we draw near to him, he'll draw near to us. That's right. And, and that was, you know, that's what I just said. You know what? I have to, I cannot wait for her to make change. The change starts with me. Right. I thought you were going to get, like, never mind. I was going to say a joke right there. <laughs> okay. But, um, no, but it's true because we, we were trying to change each other for so long. And, and you'll pull your hair out going crazy. You can't change anybody else. And, you know, to, to, cap, to talk about what you were saying about how you're like, this sounds a little manipulative when you do it this way. But... When your heart motivation is, look, I'm going to give 100% and expect zero in return, you'll get something back. Yeah. You will. You will. But that expectancy of like, I don't expect anything, yeah. but I'm ready to just pour out. Yeah. yeah. It's so true. I, I love, Danny, what you said, both of you said about Jesus meeting our needs because when we find our needs met in him, then we don't have to demand that from our spouse. Right. And now we can just give that to our spouse. And maybe they're not having their needs met by him yet, but he can work through us to keep meeting their needs. And eventually you get two people both having their deepest needs met from above who are also helping each other. It just becomes a beautiful thing. Absolutely. I know there's days with Mel now where I look back at how hard it was and I'm like, God, thank you that we didn't give up. You yes. know, thank you that we kept choosing you and doing the right thing even when it didn't feel great because now it's such a beautiful thing when, it, when it's working, yes. you know, and it's, it's worth the effort. Uh, Danny, you told me once about a guy who kind of mentored you and challenged you to step up as a spiritual leader uh, in this time where you were really getting into the word and God was changing you. Would you share with us about that? Sure. Uh, well, God's been faithful to send me a few mentors along the way in my journey because uh, I prayed specifically for that. And this one in particular mentor just challenged me to be more of the spiritual leader in my home. And I had questions of what that looked like. But God had ordered our steps to, to start attending a church where I saw men of God walking out their faith and that, that had a life that I desired. And the old saying, if you want what they have, do what they do and get what they got. And I said, you know what, I need, just need to make myself present around these men and just let it get on me. And I really saw from them just a great examples of what faithful husbands look like that loved their wives and their kids were involved with their children and knew how to pray, knew how to just simply go before God and pour out their heart and fall in love with him. And I said, man, that's what I want in my life. So that's what I did. And that was the really a key, like when you really start falling in love with Jesus, yeah. you know, and it's not just because we both were raised in the church. And so you, I was grew up in Dallas, you know, the belt buckle of the Bible belt. And so we just went all the time. And, but when you really start going, do I love Jesus? Mm, yeah. Because that's the only thing that's going to anchor you yeah. in those yeah. moments when you want to give up and when yeah. you want to leave. It's like, no, I love you so much, God. And I know that there's a blessing on the other side of this hard talk that we have to have right now. Or, sit, you know, I, you know, there's nights when like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get so much done. The kids are down. I'm going to wash the dishes and clean the house and do all the things. And then here comes Danny down the stairs and he wants to talk about something. And I'm and you, your selfishness, your moments like, mm. I don't want to talk right now. I got so much to do. You're in my way of that. But when we finally started going, you know what? This and our unity is more important than the dishes getting done or us checking things off our to-do list or anything like that, starting to put each other's needs before you know, our, our own wants. Yeah we saw drastic change in our home and it wasn't overnight, yeah. but man, you, God will just give you the, what you need for the day, right? He's yeah. our daily bread. So it's like, he'll give you 
strength to get through that conversation and you come out stronger on the yeah. other side. So you got to have hard talks and bear hugs, yeah. you know, a lot yeah. in marriage. That's right. And, and I love it's a common thing with me and Mel's journey and with your guys. It just you do the right thing. The results do come, but they don't come overnight. No. And uh, Danny, I, I loved what you said about those, those guys who you, you saw, they had the kind of marriage you want, so you mm -hmm. got yourself around them. And, you know, I, I heard someone somewhere say, if you want to see who you'll be in five years, show me your five closest friends. Yep. And I know I've experienced that. Like the buddy I called uh, when I was talking earlier, I talked about calling my buddy from high school and saying, hey, she wants to go out and do this thing every night. I, I'm frustrated. What do I do? And he's like, John, you're an idiot. You know, I needed, <laughs> I needed a friend who could, would call me an idiot and yes. say, uh, and, and friends who who inspire you by their example of, like you said, making time for the kids, et cetera, et cetera. So, and uh, ladies, let their godly friends call them an idiot. Don't you call them an idiot, okay? <laughs> Pray good. for some godly friends that will call out the idiot in their life. And you know what? Pray for some and godly crazy women. crazy in their life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How about that, fellas? Yes. We all need it. That's you know, right. we all need people that aren't just going to be yes people in our yeah. life or go to the moan zone with you about your marriage. That's not gonna help anyone. If you're going to coffee with someone, a godly friend even, to talk about your marriage, and after two hours, you're more frustrated at your spouse than you were before you sat down to have a cup of coffee, you're having the wrong conversation with the wrong person. That's right, I knew that I was always more encouraged being around these godly men that would, that would help me deal with me first. Yes. And when, after, I, after doing that, spending that time, I was always a better me coming back to my spouse. Yeah. That's so good. I think there's a verse in Proverbs that says, wounds from a friend can be trusted. Yes. And, and the truest friends are the ones who will, will wound you in a way that ends up saving you yeah. in the end. And that's why our small groups are so important, just having mm -hmm. those sisters or brothers who, who can walk with us like that. Well, I know you guys are a lot funnier when I'm not on stage with you because I'm Mr. Serious, but not uh, we are really looking forward to Friday night, date yes. night, and you guys are all invited mm -hmm. for date night. Uh, Danny and Kristen will be hosting and leading the event. It's going to be a lot of laughter, and I think you guys call it laughter is the best medicine. Right? Yep, that's how we end every video if you watch us. It's with laughter is the best medicine, and it's from Proverbs 17:22 that says a merry heart does good like medicine. And I think we, except for when you actually need medicine, people comment that all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's good, but when you act, yeah, both, um, if you do need that. Um, but, uh, but we do, we just love to laugh and we believe, you know, nothing bonds you more with another human than sharing a laugh yeah. together. And so we need to be doing that with our spouses regularly. That's right. Well, we're so looking forward to it. And we guys give Kristen and Danny a big round of applause. Thank, thank you guys Thanks for, for joining us, us here. Yeah, good to see you guys. Thanks, Thanks Danny. Well, hey, if you want to uh, sign up for that date night, here's the info. You can text the word date to this number, 317-350-1996. The information is also on your program. I think it's already over half full, so it's a completely free event. But do text in and kind of, you know, get registered, get your name in so we can prepare a space for you. I wish we had childcare for this event, but most of the people who would do our childcare need to be at the event. So for that reason, there's not. So hopefully you can find a sitter or a friend or someone to watch your kiddos and join us. Everything else is free once you get here. It's gonna be a great time of laughing as well as you know making some progress in our marriages. We are here to serve you in your life and help you connect to God and others. So in addition to having Danny and Kristen this Friday, We'll also have in March kind of a world-renowned marriage speaker and author 
named Gary Chapman. He's written a book called The Five Love Languages. It's an international bestseller. And on March 9th, he's going to be right here in this room from 8.30 in the morning until 3 in the afternoon. Uh, Moody Radio will be advertising this for everyone in Indianapolis, but because we're hosting it, we get first dibs, okay? So this event will also fill up quickly, and you can register by texting the word marriage to that same number, 317-350-1996. In addition to those two events, we have a study that's gonna start soon, a couple's study on a book called Love and Respect. And it's a book that takes this principle from Ephesians 5, where it says, husbands love your wives, Wives respect your husbands, and it goes way deep and way practical into what does that actually look like? How do you do that? That's a free study that we'd love for you to join us in here in the coming weeks. Well, I heard a speaker somewhere give this comparison. I want you to use your imagination with me of a husband who gets home late on a Friday night, and after work was done, he went out to have some drinks with his friends. Somehow they all got talking about their spouses and their marriages, and he gets just more and more unsatisfied with his wife, and he barges in the door, and he throws down his briefcase, and he says, honey, I've been out talking with my friends, and you know what? I've realized I have a lot of rights that I have not been claiming in our marriage. I mean, my buddies, their wives do all sorts of things for them that you don't do for me, and I've been thinking about it while I drove home, and I have a list of demands of things I need you to start doing if you want to be a good wife to me. Well, you can imagine how the wife might respond. She might respond something like, well, I'm glad you bring this up. Because I too have a list of demands that I've been thinking on, not just for a little drive, but for the last 10 years. <laughs> and here are the things that I demand of you and the rights that I want to claim from you if you want to be a good husband to me. Now, wouldn't you know that couple had the most romantic evening together? Just a wonderful weekend, just a, a sweet spirit in that house for the next few days. Now, I want you to flip the scenario, and I want you to imagine it this way. Husband arrives home at the same time, but he sets his briefcase down gently, and he says, hey, honey, I've been thinking about our marriage, and when there's a good time for you, I'd like to ask you, how could I better meet your needs? Because you know what? I was talking with some of my friends, and I realized they do things for their wives that maybe I'm not doing for you, and I know I'm not perfect. I would love to hear from you. What are some of your desires? What are some of your needs that maybe I've forgotten about or I've never known about where I could do a better job as a husband? And I want you to imagine that the wife then responds and says, oh, honey, that means so much to me that you would ask me that. And I do have some things that I'd be happy to share with you. But after I share what I desire with you, I'd like to also know what are some of your desires and needs that maybe I've been too busy with the kids or just too busy with life and I haven't been meeting. Which couple do you think is going to have a better evening together? Right? I mean, we all know if you just put ourselves in the shoes of those situations, we know how both of those are going to turn out, which one's going to be better, which one's going to be worse. And so as you go from here today, I want to encourage you with this very simple application. This week, will I commit to hear and act on one of my spouse's desires? You can do this today. This week, will you commit to say, there's going to be a time today or this week where I'm going to have that conversation, not giving my demands, 
but giving my willingness and my eagerness to meet my spouse's needs, will I first listen and then will I act on it and do something that my spouse says would help them out? If you get two people doing this for each other, even if they're very deep wounds and very deep baggage, you can start to make some very significant forward movement in your marriage. And that's what I would love for you to experience this week. Can I pray that for you here? Father, I thank you that in this room, Lord, you love each one of us so very much and you desire the very best for us in every domain of our life. And Lord, the most important domain is that each of us have a soul that will live eternally somewhere. And God, it is your deepest desire that everyone in this room would come to salvation. That is that they would have a moment where they say, Jesus, I know you're God. I know I've made mistakes and sins. I believe you died for me. Will you forgive me and be my savior? God, if there's anyone here who's never prayed that, who's never believed that, would today be their day of salvation where they call out to you? God, I know in my life, there was a time when I could not love in my own strength, but because you live inside me as a believer, you loved through me. And Lord, you enabled me to do the right thing, even when I didn't feel like doing the right thing. And you enabled Mel to love an unlovable person and to forgive someone who needed forgiveness. And God, I just pray across this room that each of us will first know you as our savior and then that we will claim your power just as you've forgiven us when we didn't deserve it to forgive our spouses when they don't deserve it and to meet their needs and focus on their needs instead of our own. God, I've seen this principle transform my relationship with Mel. I thank you for her and the beautiful marriage we have. Thank you for Danny and Kristen and them sharing with us. Thank you that we have a community of believers where we can be real and raw and we can laugh at ourselves together because God, you know it's hard. You know we're broken. But we thank you that you've given us the map the owner's manual to a healthy marriage, and you've given us the power in your Holy Spirit to actually live it out. So Lord, I pray for every marriage in this room that you will do supernatural work to forgive, to heal, to restore, and to self-sacrifice to meet our spouse's needs more than our own. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.